Would you take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. I've saved the best message for last, I think. I love this message. God gave this to me not too long ago. I've only preached it one other time, but I'm going to preach it many times because it is a great message. It's going to be one of those messages where you leave tonight and say, Oh man, I never saw that. I never got that because I've never gotten it. And I've never heard anybody else uh, use this before. So I hope tonight it's one of those aha messages. Don't you love it when the preacher gives you something that, that you've never seen before? And, and it kind of brings the Old Testament and the New Testament together and then wraps it around a great practical application. That's exactly what you're going to get tonight at no extra charge. No extra charge, alright? I'm going to give that to you. It's exciting. It's called Missions and the Mantle. Missions and the mantle. Can you figure out who we're going to talk about tonight? I've given you a little graphic there, giving you a picture tonight to give you an idea of who we're going to talk about in 1 Kings chapter 19 in just a moment. I'm going to give to you a homonym. A homonym. That's a big word that means words that sound alike but have different meanings. One of the problems with the English language is that we have homonyms. We have words that sound alike but are spelled differently. There. There. T-H-E-I-R. Their car. T-H-E-I-R. We're going over there. T-H-E-R-E. That's their dog. T-H-Y apostrophe R-E. There. That's a homonym. Uh, I'm going to give you the word mantle. Mantle. The word mantle, M-A-N-T-L-E, not to be confused with M-A-N-T-E-L. That one means the wood piece over the fireplace. M-A-N-T-E-L. Fireplace mantle. Where you put your picture or in the old days they put their gun. Those different things. It's a nice decorative piece. We're going to look at the other mantle which is defined as a loose sleeveless cloak or cape. Okay? A loose sleeveless cloak or cape. I've got a demonstration tonight. This isn't the one that I would normally use. I have one at home. I forgot to bring it. Uh, pastor's going to let me borrow this one tonight. We have a Canadian uh, cloak tonight. We have a Canadian cape there for you tonight. Look at that. Isn't that nice? That's beautiful. All right. So uh, basically it would be this. It would be this. This is a mantle right there. Very simple. It's my mantle. So that's a cape. Well, that's, that's a name that you could use for, or a cloak. That was very important, very important in the Jewish culture. A lot of times they would take it and they would tie it, and they would wear it like this, or they'd have some string or rope to hold it, to hold it in place. This one's a little short for that, right? You get the idea. They'd wear it like that. They would wear it during the day in the desert. Uh, it was often made uh, on one side of some type of material, or it would be just a piece of fleece. It would be uh, a woolen uh, piece of material. And so that heavy woolen piece in the daytime, uh, if you turn the white side out, would take and reflect the heat away from uh, the person's body. And at night, it would give them some warmth. So we're going to look at a cloak tonight. We're going to look at a covering tonight, a mantle and the importance of that mantle, and how it can relate to missions. The mantle is mentioned 13 times in the Old Testament, and its counterpart, the cloak, is mentioned six times in the New Testament. Same thing, whether it's the mantle or the cloak, same idea, same understanding, same word. When we think of a mantle, we most often think of Elijah and Elisha. 
And we'll get there. But before we get there, let me give you these verses as well that deal with the mantle. Number one, Judges chapter 4 and verse 18. And Jael went out to meet Sisera. She covered him with a mantle. Remember the story? The enemies of Israel came in and he said, give me something to drink. And she brought him some what? Do you remember? She brought him some milk. And she brought him a certain kind of milk. Do you know what kind it was? Warm milk. Warm milk. Now, I love milk. I can drink, uh, I'm still old school, I can drink a gallon of milk. I can drink a bag of milk probably every two days, easily. I love it. I get a big glass. Every time I go to the fridge, I get a big glass of milk, drink it. I love it. But one thing I don't like is warm milk. Now, I've done, I will drink it because my parents raised me that you don't ever waste anything. So I'll take out a glass of milk and I'll start drinking it and I'll get busy doing something and I'll set it down and my wife later on will say, hey, is that your milk? And I'm like, yes. Now, some people would put it back in the fridge and let it get cold again, but I don't do that. I drink it. Now, they say that some of the properties of milk, especially when it's warm, will make you sleepy. So here comes Sisera and Jail says, come, I'll give you something to drink. Be careful of women. Be careful. I'll give you something to drink. Come and rest within my tent. And she gives him some warm milk and it makes him sleepy. Sleepy. And she comes and she brings the mantle. She said, you just rest right here. You get nice and warm under this blanket here, under this cloak. You get under there and you just go to sleep with that warm milk. And he does. And she goes out and she gets one of the stakes that's holding the tent, holding the rope of the tent. She brings it over. She puts it to his to his temple and she drives it through his head. Be careful when you go to sleep, fellas. <laughs> Be careful that you've not treated your wife poorly. All right. She she takes him out. She nailed him, literally. In First Samuel fifteen twenty seven, Samuel turned out to go away and he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent, grabbed hold of the cloak, grabbed hold of the mantle as he was leaving, and it tore. Then we see in 1 Samuel 28.14, goes to the witch of Endor, and he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. Part of the reason that he reckoned that it was Samuel was because often the prophets were recognized by their mantle. It wasn't anything necessarily special, but because they traveled so much through the desert places, they would have it with them. Most people would maybe keep it at home and have it ready for, uh, you know, bedtime when they, when they were ready to go to bed and keep warm or, or they would maybe use it a little bit around the house. But if you're walking through the desert, you would keep it with you. It would probably be a little bit more worn. And so it was a sign, it was a symbol, and often it was used to recognize those who would be called into the ministry by placing that mantle upon him. In Ezra chapter 9, verses 3 and 5, it says, When I heard that, this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle. I want you to know there's a separation there. There's two different things there. My garment and my mantle in Ezra 9.5. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness and I went having rent my garment and my mantle. In Job chapter 1 and verse 20, then Job arose and rent his mantle. In Job 2.12, and they rent everyone his mantle. Now, the mantle, the cloak, has a huge significance in the life of those in the Bible. I want you to know that this was a very, very important part of every person's life 
in the Old Testament especially. We see it in the New Testament as well, but it's very important in the Old Testament. Very primitive times. Not a lot of possession. A lot of traveling through desert places. And so this became a very important part of the garment of those in the Hebrew nation. They took good care of it. They they held on to it. They didn't let loose of it. The mantle, the cloak, huge significance, so much so that Jesus makes a significant statement about it in the New Testament. It's that that significance that makes this a magnificent missions message. The cloak. Now you're thinking, Pastor, how does a blanket, how does a, how does a, a cape, how does a cloak have anything to do with missions? When we get done this message, you're going to say, oh man, I've never seen that. Oh man, that's one of those aha Bible moments I'll show it to you in just a few moments. Let me show you now the, the importance of the mantle, the, the meaning of missions and the mantle. Go to 1 Kings chapter 19 with me and look at verse 19. It says, So he departed thence, Elijah, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Alright? Here's a young man working in the fields. Eleven set of oxen plowing in front of him. He's the twelfth. That tells us some things. And Brother Matt, I'm going to get you to come up and help me, would you please? It tells me something. Number one, this young man's working on a very prosperous farm. To have 12 set of oxen, that's 24 oxen. That's 12 men working in the field, plowing together. Now, you wouldn't see so much in Toronto, but outside of the Toronto area where I live, uh, oftentimes you'll see farmers working together. More so out in Saskatchewan and Manitoba where they have the massive farms, Saskatchewan especially. You've seen pictures, I'm sure, of the combines that are going through the fields. And they'll have a combine and he'll be just a little bit ahead of another combine and he's over just a little bit. And then there'll be another combine and he's over just a little bit. And they're going and they're, they're clearing the field together. It's the same imagery here with the oxen. And there's there's a young man, and he's the last one. He is the son of the farmer. Now, that tells me something about him, that he's actually out working, because on a farm like this that's so prosperous, you would think that the, the, the boss's son wouldn't have to work. And, and many times, and in many of our homes, that kid would be so spoiled rotten, uh, he would have no intention of working. But here's a young man who is working on his father's farm. And he's not the guy out front. He's the guy in the back. That tells me that he's submissive. That tells me that he's still being trained. That tells me that he hasn't learned at all. He's following in the rear. And as he's working, Elijah comes by and he takes his mantle and he casts upon him his mantle. He takes it from off himself and in a great sign of significance, takes it and casts it upon that young man while he's working. You say, what's that? Well, it's a great deal. He was signifying, he was showing him and showing all those around him that as a man of God, as a prophet, that God had spoken to him and revealed to him that this young man would be a prophet also. Not only would he be a prophet, he would be the successor of the prophets. 
We just went through this in our church. Uh, I have a young man that worked with me for eight years, Brother John Yeomans, good young man, a graduate of Faithway Baptist College, um, came from the United States and adapted to Canada very quickly. Good young man, good character, hard worker. All of the men that I've ever worked with in the ministry of the Bible Baptist Church have been have been hired not because of talent, but because of character. I went to Faithway one time. I was looking for a young man. And what I did is I took some pieces of paper and I threw them on the floor. And I had the young man come in and talk to me. And I watched for the young man that would pick the paper up off the floor. That's a sign of character. Some guys came in and kind of just kicked them out of the way. Some guys never saw it at all. But there were some that came in and picked up the paper and threw it in the garbage. I said, that's the guy I'm looking for. Character. And so I had a young man who for eight years showed himself character. I, I had a young man for eight years that, that watched me and worked with me and, and did everything that I told him to do. And I watched as he grew in the things of the Lord. Then I eventually went to him and said, Brother Yeomans, I believe God would have you to take this ministry one day. And he said, Pastor, I believe that he would too. And so we began to work together. And in January, on the 6th, I turned the church over to that young man after our church had voted for him and showed their approval that he should be the man of God in our place. And so I, in action, took the mantle and placed it around him about eight years ago and said, I believe God's calling you. Now, I want you to notice this, that Elijah puts the mantle on him, but he doesn't keep it. He doesn't keep it. You can have a seat right there. doesn't keep it. He takes it back. He still needs it. He's just signifying, he's just showing that this young man is going to be the next prophet that will succeed him in his journey. Now, this young man, great young man, says, I, I want to, I want to follow, I, I want to do this, but I have some things I need to do. Elijah cast this man till his cave upon him to signify God's call. It was a visible sign of a transference of the power. That was, and still a sign used in the inauguration of kings and queens today. If you look up um, a mantle uh, on the internet, if you go to Google, it'll bring up a picture of Queen Elizabeth. And you'll see her with a long, it's a very long, red on one side, long uh, a woolen cape. And, and that's a sign of the position of leadership of kings and queens still today. Notice, if you will, though, the mantle of Elijah not kept by Elijah yet. And we see that in our second point, number two, the merit of the mantle. The merit of the mantle. I need you to go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. It says, And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. So we see that Elijah still has possession of this mantle. Now, in that mantle also is something very unique. It is a sign and a power and empowerment of God. He takes the mantle, he, he wraps it together, and he hits the waters. And the waters divide. And all those that are around see it and know this is the man of God. It's kind of like Samson and his hair. If Samson did not cut his hair, he retained his strength. It was an outward sign of an inward movement of the Lord. And we have some of those things in our lives. We have an outward sign of an inward change in our lives in the baptistry. People are able to see. Samson had long hair. Now, in the, in the New Testament, it says that long hair is a shame unto men. We shouldn't have long hair. But for that season, for that time, God said that that hair will be his outward demonstration of what's going on in his life. Here we see... 
the cloak. God says, this is, this is something that you need. This is something important to you. But it's also something used to signify one who's been called. But it's also going to signify my hand upon you. And he uses it to divide those waters. The mantle. The cape. Now, why would Elisha have given it back? Why wouldn't he have kept that mantle? Well, I'll tell you this first of all. That when Elijah came to Elisha and put that mantle upon him. He at first said, I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you've done this. I'm glad that you've done this. But I need to go and say goodbye to my mother and father first. Now, we know that Jesus said that any man having put his hand to the plow and turning back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Elijah says, hey, that's not up to me. You do what you want to do. You've been called of God, not of me. I'm simply the messenger. I'm simply signifying by putting my cloak upon you, telling you that God has chosen you. I I love sometimes when I meet young men, I love to go to them. If they're a sharp young man, I'd say, hey, would you ever consider being called of God to the ministry? Or I'll kind of joke with them a little bit and say, you know what? I believe God could use you as a preacher. You need to be a preacher of the Word of God. You need to be praying about that. And And I've said that here and I'll continue to say it. It's going to be one of the emphasis of the message that I've got for the missions conference. You need, to, you need to follow Jesus Christ. You need to follow Him and His call in your life. And there are some of you that, that your pastor is going to come and he's going to say, Hey, you know what? You know what? You're a sharp young man. And you've got some talents and abilities in your life. And I believe that God may be calling you to the ministry someday. And He's going to toss that, toss that mantle upon Him. And say, I'm watching you and I'm going to train you and I'm, I'm going to take you aside. And, and, and you're playing an instrument and, and you're engaged in the church and you're doing some great things. And, and I believe that God can maybe use you someday. And he puts that mantle upon him and signifies that God could use him. I, I, I'll just be honest with you tonight. I, I think Brother Matt could be a preacher someday. I think he could be used of the Lord to pastor a church. He's got great quality. He's got a great wife, got a great family. He's a servant of the pastor. He's sharp. He's involved. He's caring. He's all those things. I believe God could use it. So I'm casting the mantle upon him tonight. And I'm saying that I see that in his life. And so he says, I've got to go and and take care of my parents. I've got to say goodbye to them. Elijah said, you go do what you got to do because the call remains. No matter what you do, you've been called of God. If you want to run from that, you can. But know this, you've been called of God. But he says, until you come under that call, I keep the mantle. I keep the mantle. It's mine. Because I'm still in the position. I'm still the man of God. I'm still the prophet. I still have a work of the Lord to do. And when the time comes, that mantle will be passed. But not today. Two reasons why he didn't give it back. Though signified as a call of God, the call was not yet fully transferred. And number two, the second reason is one of those aha Bible study moments. Now, this is good. This is this is what really got me in this whole thing. According to Jewish law, a mantle, or as it is called in the New Testament, a cloak was a person's most prized possession. You say a blanket? A, a cape? A cloak? Absolutely. It was used as a reflector of the sun, the rain, and the snow in the daytime. It was the source of warmth at night. It could not be taken in a lawsuit. That's how important it was. This guy wrongs me. I can take his coat. I I can take his coat. Give me your coat. 
You did me wrong. You did me dirty. Man, is he ripped. Wow. I can take this, but I can't take this. He gets to keep that. I, I can wear this and I can, I can never give it back, but I cannot take that in a lawsuit. I forgive you. Here's something interesting. It could be borrowed, but only until late afternoon. Because I could not keep him from being warm at night. You see, the Jews believed that every man, no matter who they were, no matter what they'd done, deserved to have a good night's rest. And that they should be comfortable in their sleep time. So they got this no matter what. You could be a scoundrel, but you get to keep this. That is a prized possession. This was a pillow. This was a blanket. This was a protector from the cold. It helped to put out fire if somebody caught fire. There's so many uses that it could be used for. Many times it would be used. We see in Ruth and Boaz, she would take and she would gather this up. She'd wrap it around her waist and she would gather up the remains of the field and she would use it as an apron. I can't, I can't wrap it around me tonight because this is not man size. Um, but they would gather it up and, and put the, the, uh, the gatherings of the field in it and they would carry more home that way. So it was used almost as a basket or a bushel or as a, as a purse as it were. The cloak was given back because Elijah still needed it. He still needed it. That is until number three, the mastery of the mantle. Look at 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 to 14. It says, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. What a brilliant choice. As a preacher of the word of God, I, I had a father-in-law who was a tremendous preacher. Some of you might have known him. He preached in the Philippines many times. Preached in Haiti many times. Preached around the world. Had a great church in Cleveland, Ohio. Sent out many missionaries and many preachers and started many churches. Dr. Roy Thompson. Dr. Thompson was a powerful preacher. He's a loud preacher. He was a strong preacher. Saw thousands and thousands of people saved. Great things happened. And when I, when I was with him and, and having that intimate relationship as a son-in-law, there were many times when I said, Lord, if I could just be half the man that he is, if I could be half the preacher, if I could have half the ministry that he had, I would be thrilled. Elisha says to Elijah, I want a double portion. I, I want to have twice what you've had in your life in serving God. Now, was that a, was that a kind of a, a boastful thing? That, was that a, a, an unmerited thing? No, it was brilliant. I've seen, Elijah, what God has done in your life. I've seen the power of God upon you. I've seen you smite the waters. I've seen you uh, heal those uh, that were ailing. I, I saw you do incredible things, many wonderful miracles of God. If I could just have twice that. If I could be twice the man that you are. How many young men have said that of their dads? I'd like to be twice the man my dad was. He was such a good guy. It would be such an honor to be twice that good guy. He said, I want to have twice 
the blessing of God upon my life. Look what happens. It says, And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Verse 10, And he said, Thou hast a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken away from thee, it shall be unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Now, we don't know how the mantle got there. I don't know if Elijah uh, tossed it. I, I don't know if it just fell from him. I don't know. But there's a significance. God leaves it for us in the Bible. The mantle fell. And Elisha picks up that mantle. That which would, had marked his calling. That which had marked the power of God in the life of Elijah. And he takes it as a sign from God. He takes and receives it from Elijah. He takes it to the same waters and he smites the, wa- he smites the water with it and they part. He then realizes, I have the power of God upon me. I have now stepped into the shoes of Elijah. I've got God walking with me. And sure enough, Elisha did twice the miracles that Elijah did. He became one of the greatest prophets in in Israel's history. Elijah still marked the greater, still used of God, still a great uh, uh, message to perform in, in the last days, in the days of tribulation. But Elisha was now given that mantle as a token, a sign from Elijah and from God. And then we see this. The message of the mantle. Elijah left the mantle behind, and why? To give full proof of Elisha's new post as a prophet of Israel, and to indicate that Elijah no longer needed it. The message of the mantle. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Let's move into the New Testament now. A lot of things in the Old Testament, and Brother Matt, you can be seated with your family. Thank you so much. A lot of things in the Old Testament are a picture of things to come. The lamb that was slain in the Old Testament sacrifice is a picture of who, church, in the New Testament? Christ. Thank you, church, all one of you. Let's try that again, okay? It's only one church member here, okay? I'm not going to trick you, I promise you. I won't, I won't trick you. So in the Old Testament, shedding the blood of the lamb, picture in the New Testament of Lord Jesus Christ. Very good. We see in the Old Testament that we are to give a tithe. To give a tithe. One-tenth of our total possession, one-tenth of our gross income belongs to the Lord in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it is a picture of the sacrificial giving of the saints. Now know this, and this, this is a neat Bible truth as well. In the Old Testament, that was the starting point. 
That was the foundational point. The New Testament always requires more. A lot of people say, well, the Old Testament tithing, that's Old Testament. You're right. Absolutely it is. That's the foundation. That's the starting point. In the Old Testament, it was a lamb. In the New Testament, the requirement isn't an animal. It's a human sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's much more. In the Old Testament, it's 10%. In the New Testament, it is as every man is prospered. Let him give liberally. A cheerful giver. Not just the 10%. Not just the 10%. So, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, we see a great lesson about the cloak, the mantle. It says in Luke chapter 6 verse 27, But I say unto you, which here, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. In the Old Testament, <laughs> not so much the case. If they despise you, kill them. If they kill one of your family members and they can't make it to the city of refuge, kill them. New Testament, much harder. Much harder to love your enemy, isn't it? Much harder. Verse 29. And unto him that smite thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy what? Come on, church. Come on, help me out now. Him that taketh away thy what? Cloak. Forbid not to take thy coat also. Oh, well, stop there. So someone comes and says, hey, give me your cloak. Give me your mantle. You can't take that. It's against the law. You can't take that. That's a prized possession. That's the most important thing I've got. Give me your cloak. All right. I'll give you my cloak. And I'll give you my coat also. You can have it too. What? What are you talking about? I, I, I'm going to give you what you've asked for. I'm going to give you my coat that you could lawfully ask for and take. But more than that, I'm going to give you my cloak. I'm going to give you that which I need. I'm going to give you that which is so important to me. I, I, I'm going to give to you my most valued earthly possession that keeps me warm at night, that wraps my children when they're cold. That goes over my wife when she's not feeling well. That, that helps me to gather up a, a little bit extra food when things are a little tough. I'm going to give it to you. That was not the norm. That was not the way things happened. That's not the way things were done. Let's go on in our reading. It says, I lost some thought here. In, um, where are we at? Verse 28, 29, 30. Give to every man that asketh of thee of him that taketh away thy good, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. If they take it, don't ask for it back. Don't say, okay, I'll give it to you, but you gotta have it back before sundown. You gotta have it back this afternoon. That's the law. Don't, don't ask for it. Don't ask for it. Verse 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. 
But love your enemies and do good and land, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Now here it is. Get this now. This is awesome. Verse 29. And him that taketh away thy cloak forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and unto him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Here's what Jesus was saying. Give them the cloak. Give them your comfort. Give them your ease. Give them your protection. You don't need it anymore. Hmm. Elijah, his mantle, shows the power of God. The mantle shows the call of God. The mantle is his comfort. God takes him up to heaven and the cloak falls. Why? Because Elijah didn't need it anymore. He was going to heaven. He was going to be with the Heavenly Father. He didn't didn't need to worry about sleeping out on the ground anymore. He's going to heaven. He he didn't need to worry about uh, chasing off animals with it and shooing them away. He's going to heaven. He didn't need it for rest and comfort. He's gone to heaven. You can have it, Elisha. I don't need it anymore. And God says in the New Testament, Jesus Christ says this. He says, if somebody asks for your cloak, give it to them. You don't need it. Because I'm going to take care of you. The birds have nests. And the flower grows where it will. And the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. He said, Christian, I'm going to take care of you. Those things that you count as a comfort, those things that you count as the most important things in life, you don't really need those. You don't really need You don't have to hold on to that. Do you know what our greatest possession in life is? Do you know what it is? Money. Money. We're all going to get up tomorrow that are of age and that are able. We're all going to get up tomorrow and we're going to go to work. And we're going to make some money. And we're all thinking of a way that we can make more money. Because if we have more money, we can have more things. And if we have more things, we'll be happier. And if we if we get enough things, then we can share with our children and we can take care of them and they can have a good life. Many of you have given to your children far more than you ever had growing up. Why? Because you love them. And you think, if I, if I can get that money, then, then I'm going to have peace, I'm going to have contentment, and I'll be happy, and everything will be great, and we'll never have to work. And what we do is we say, God, I don't really need you. I got a cloak. I got everything I need. I got all the comfort. I got a home. I got a car. I got food. I got clothes. I got a vacation. I've got a retirement package. I've got a government that gives me just about everything I need. We have health care. We've got everything. And God says this. From the Old Testament lesson, to the New Testament teaching of Jesus Christ, all those things that you think you don't need, you don't need them. I'm going to take care of you. How does that apply to missions? Well, we like to hang on to our money. Preacher, I already give some. Here, go ahead and use it. But have it back by sundown. Because I need it. God says, you take that which you think you need. 
and you toss it aside and you say, don't only just take my, my cloak, take my coat too. Don't just take my, don't just take my tithe. Take my faith promise too. And use it. Because I don't have to worry about it. God's going to look after me. He's going to look after me. Come on. Has God failed you? Has God ever failed you? Has God ever let you go hungry? Has God ever left you? It's so desolate that you weren't going to make it? Do you know this? That not one person in this auditorium will ever be refused health care in this country. Never. You might not have one penny. You're going to go to the hospital. Do you know in this country that, that if you lose your job and, and you say we can't make it, you can go to a government agency and they'll say, you know what, we'll give you a check every month that will supply a place for you to live and, and, and enough food for your family to, to live on. What do we really need in Canada? What do we really need? Now, there's a difference between need and want. I want a nice house. I want a nice car. I want a great vacation. I want a good education for my children. But what do we really need? We need a place to live and some food to eat and some clothes to wear. That's all we really need. And once in a while, we need some special care to have good health. But we all hold on so tight. Pastor, I know, I know there's a need in Taiwan. I know it. I know there's orphanages that have children. I know in Kenya there's a school where you can support a child for $300 US a year and, and they'll get their books and they'll get a uniform and they'll get a, a meal every day. I know that, but, but, but you don't understand, Pastor. It's time for some of us to take the cloak and say, you know what? I really don't need it. You can have it, missionary. You can have a bearing person see Canada. You can have an orphanage. You can have a school for kids in another country. You can have a Brad Evanson who, who takes medical missions trips and, and helps people and gives them the gospel and sees thousands of people saved. You can have that, Brother Evanson. You can have that print ministry. You, you, you can have that uh, uh, claim ministry that goes and builds buildings for people and helps churches and fixes them up. You, you can have that. Hey, and don't worry about bringing it back. Because God takes care of me. Takes care of me. And, and you know what? Not only that. You know what? Once in a while, I'm going to go on a missions trip. Rather than take a vacation, we're going to take our family and we're going to go help them. Take that too. And you know what? Some Saturday when we have off, we're going to go down to St. Thomas. We're going to put some John and Romans together. Take that too. And you know what? I'm in the medical profession and I know a little bit about nursing or being a doctor or dental hygienist or or I'm an optometrist. And you know what? I could go on a medical missions trip and I could devote a week of time at my own expense. Take that too. Why? Because God's going to look after me. God's going to look after me. Elisha, keep it, son. I don't need it. God's taking me to a better place. When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, nothing of this earth really is important. What's important is laying up treasures in heaven. And how do we do that? By saying, here's a general Romans, 40 cents. Here's, here's a, a, a month worth of support, 150, couple hundred bucks. We're going to send it to you, young man, over there who's pastoring a church and working a full-time job and trying to start a family. 
And we're going to give you a little bit of money every month so that, that you can kind of let some of that go so that you can put more time into winning people to Christ and, and discipling them and, and having a youth activity and not have to worry about that. Here's a little bit, Brother Cook. You've started five churches in our country. You're not even from here. You're an American. And God burdened you to come and you came and you love this land and you've given your life. Your kids are down living in the United States. You have a daughter who's crippled because of a surgery gone bad who who lives her life in a wheelchair without her mom and their dad there to help her. Their grandchildren down in the United States. They see them periodically. Here's, Here's a little bit to say that we love you and appreciate you for what you've done for our country and for telling people about Jesus Christ and starting five churches like ours so that people have a place to come. Hey, hey, Brother Cook, go ahead. We don't need that. God's looking after us. And you know what, Brother Cook? Hey, the help program's coming there this year. We'll come down and spend a week and help you. Take that too. Amen. Because God looks after us. Wow, when I saw that, and put that all together, I thought, wow, that is, that is one of those aha, awesome moments that we don't often see. We have a cloak of comfort that should be giving away, that we should be giving away to those who are asking and pleading for us. Support us as we desire to go to a foreign nation. Support our very special project or need. Support us as we endeavor to reach people still unreached with the gospel. The mantle has been cast upon those who'd go, but have not yet been allowed. The mantle of our goods will be given when we finally realize Christ does and will care for us. If you were in a foreign land and did not have Christ, would you want others who did, would you have them bring it to you and share it with you? Absolutely. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. I'm in a foreign nation and I don't have the gospel. What would I want someone to do? I'd want them to provide the means so that somebody could bring me the gospel. Give me your cloak. And give me your coat too. You don't need it. I'll look after you. The message of the mantle is this. Others need it far more than we do. Because we have a great God who cares for all of our needs. That, my friends, is the message of the mantle. That's missions and the mantle. Let's pray.